Hey, Jacksonville Prez family, uh, we're so excited to be worshiping with you this morning. Uh, if you've got your Bible, would you open it up now to Luke chapter 1? Uh, I know that may come as a bit of a surprise as we're going through the Gospel of John right now, uh, but I really felt like today on Mother's Day that uh, we should look at the story of Mary, uh, Jesus' mom, and learn as much as we can today. So, uh, you know, I hope your mom is still living and that you've got a good relationship with her, but, um, you know, regardless of that, what I want you and I to do this morning is learn from the wisest woman in the whole Bible, from Jesus's own mother, Mary, and how she faces uh, some pretty uh, incredible changes in her life and where her life is going. Uh, You may know in Luke chapter one that uh, Mary breaks out into a song uh, when she finds out that she's going to have Jesus, uh, the savior of the world. And a lot of people call this the Magnificat. And that's just based on that first line when she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And so you could call this uh, song the Magnificat, or you could just call it Mary's song. That's what I like to call it. Uh, but it's incredible. Uh, this song has been uh, uh, you know, put to music by Bach and Beethoven and Vivaldi. Almost all of the great you know, old classical composers use this text uh, to communicate profound truths Uh, But if you really think about it, um, as world famous as this prayer is and as, you know, powerful as Mary's song really is to us, uh, when it was originally written and composed, it was composed by a, a teenage, pregnant, poor young woman in the land of Israel. And what I want you to focus on uh, this morning is um, how does Mary respond to incredible changes in the trajectory of her life. And, uh, you know, on Mother's Day, maybe you don't listen to my wisdom. Maybe what you need to do is you need to listen to the Lord's wisdom through Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, But before we dive into the passage, I do have just a quick question for you, if that's okay. Uh, What are you afraid of? You know, you can say it out loud right now, or, you know, maybe you've got something coming to mind. uh, But You know, I know we're kind of in a a crazy time of the world right now, but, you know, try to just put yourself in a normal day. You know, like if I came up to you and said, you know, what are your fears? What are you afraid of? You know, most people would say, well, you know, I don't really have that many fears. You know, uh, I guess I'm not really afraid of that much. You know, maybe, you know, the dentist or flying or death or cancer or, you know, the dark, uh, you know. But if you think about our fears, uh, you know, maybe we are quick to say we don't have that many Uh, But when we scratch beneath the surface, we find out that actually a lot of our lives do seem like they're determined by our fears, right? We're afraid of uh, our our safety and for our family's safety. Uh, We're scared about the future. We're scared about how or if we're going to die soon. Uh, We're scared about our life or what career we're going to take. And that's only like exacerbated right now, right? Um, You know, because so much of what we're concerned about and uh, stressed out about right now, it could really just be uh, subsumed under the topic of fear. Uh, You know, we're afraid of what's going to happen to our careers. We're afraid if we're going to die from this virus. We're afraid of what's going to happen to our country, to our world. Uh, We're afraid of what's going to happen to our kids and their education, And uh, of course, I know that is kind of a downer, but um, to drill the screw in just a little bit more before I stop, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, I did a church poll and uh, we sent it out through our weekly email blast. I hope you were able to fill it out. If you did, God bless you. Thank you so much for helping me do that. And one of the questions we asked was uh, in that poll to our church members was what was the hardest thing 
about this, you know, time in life? What's been the hardest? Has it been health concerns? Is it financial concerns? Is it having to lay people off or furlough them? Is it you know, the loss of community? Is it the inability to gather for worship? And, um, you know, the number one answer, um, one out of three people uh, put this answer as their number one concern during this time. And you know what it was? It was concern about the future. And I think you could exchange that word concern or stress really quickly and easily with fear. And I think, friends, that's the link between what you and I are living in right now and the incredible story of how Mary first sang the Magnificat. I mean, if you're worried about your family and your kids, I mean, don't you think Mary was worried about her family? Uh, would Joseph really take her back? Uh, if you're worried about your future and your uh, career, don't you think Mary was worried about her future and how she was going to provide for this new family as a teenager? And uh, many people are worried about, you know, their reputations and what other people think of them. And I know that Mary had to be concerned about that during this period of time. And so when we realize that the Magnificat, Mary's song, um, doesn't come from just an easy time in her life. It's not just when everything is just, you know, flowers and happy. Um, really, the Magnificat is like, you know, a flower, uh, but it's, you know, situated and it's rooted in the dark soil of hardship and sorrow for her. Uh, she is going to have to leave and she stays with her uh, cousin Elizabeth for three months just to process what in the world is going on. Uh, so all that to say, uh, friends, there's a lot we could talk about in the Magnificat and focus in on. Uh, but really this morning, all I want you to do is grasp two simple concepts this morning. If you get these two things, uh, you will be advancing in your walk with Jesus Christ. And that is very simply when you and I study the Magnificat and we read it, we need to see these two things. Number one, that in the face of potentially very fearful, very stressful times about the future, Mary does not give over to fear. What she does is she dwells on God's character. In the face of fear, she dwells on God's character. That's the first thing we're going to see. And then secondly, I want you to see that even in the midst of how hard this time was for Mary, Mary, <laughs> that amazing teenage, you know, soon-to-be mom, she was able to see how her life is wrapped up into a bigger story. <laughs> you know, she didn't think that the story of her life alone was too big for her to handle. What she did is she realized that her life story was actually a part of the huge, um, you know, unending story that God is telling in our world. And so she sees her hardships and her struggles and the surprises as all a part of God's greater story. Uh, so with that in mind, let's read our passage now uh, with all that sort of prep work, all that sort of uh, telling up the hard soil of our hearts and minds, and let's see what God's truth in his word has to say to us. So let's go to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 46 and just read through 55. This is the Magnificat, Mary's song. And friend, hear the word of the Lord to us. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty 
has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Ain't that every mom's prayer, right? He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will endure forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, let's pray. Father, would we learn the wisdom of Jesus Christ as we see it displayed even in his mother, Mary. Uh, Father, would we dwell on your character and would we see how our lives and even this whole situation is wrapped up in the bigger story that you are telling all around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Well, friends, as we dive into the story of Mary, I've hinted at it already, but uh, the things you need to know uh, right off the bat is when Luke is telling us this story in his gospel, uh, you've got to know that Luke particularly has a concern for women. Uh, You can see it all throughout his gospel account. Luke um, has an eye uh, to women, to people who would have been outcast and to the poor and the rejected. Uh, You know, so, um, you know, whereas John starts off the gospel talking about how Jesus is the pre-incarnate word that he is God himself. And uh, when Jesus shows up in the gospel of John, he's already an adult. Luke, on the other hand, tells a uh, fascinating story. And he starts off his gospel really by focusing on two women. Uh, He focuses on John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth. And then he focuses this beautiful story, which we're looking at, in the story of Mary and how Mary learned that she was to produce the Messiah, the Savior, who, uh, as you know, the angel tells her, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and your son will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And so we see um, that Luke has this eye Uh, to women and to their experience. And he shows us all really throughout his gospel, not just in the beginning, uh, but all throughout the gospel of Luke, Luke is showing us how incredibly important women are to God's mission. Uh, We see it in uh, Elizabeth. We see it in Mary. We see it in Anna, the prophetess. Uh, We see it in the women who financially support Jesus. And we see it at the resurrection where the women are the ones who first uh, send out the message that Jesus is resurrected. Uh, But all that to say, uh, when it comes to the story of Mary, uh, Luke alone, of all the gospel writers, includes this Magnificat. And if you look at it with me, uh, like I said, Mary could be faced with so much fear right now. I mean, if you think your life in the next six months are a big question mark, imagine an angel coming to you and telling you that your child is about to be the king to end all kings and that you're going to have a child even though you're not married and um, haven't consummated your marriage yet. I mean, this poor woman is so uh, thrown off, but man, is she strong. And what we need to learn from Mary, and I think part of why God chose Mary for this calling is we get to see a bit of her character and what drives her and how she responds on the onset of fear. And so what Mary does very simply is she starts off and she says, my whole focus during this time, uh, my whole mindset 
has to be on the Lord himself. I am going to like a magnifying glass. I'm going to magnify the Lord. I'm going to make him bigger and bigger in my life. I'm going to open up the aperture of the camera of my heart to try to take more and more in of the glory of God. And so that's what she says. She's going to magnify, focus in on the Lord. And so in verse 47, she says, uh, I'm going to rejoice in God, my Savior. Uh, She even now knows that she needs a Savior. And how beautiful is it that in her womb, she's carrying the Savior of all mankind, Jesus, (laughs) the Lamb of God. But even now, Mary is focusing on that she herself needs a Savior. In verse 48, she goes on and she focuses on God's concern Uh, She says that God, even now, um, even for poor Mary, you know, who's from some small town in uh, in just Israel, it's Bethlehem, it's not even Jerusalem, right? It's it's an overlooked town, and she says, even now, in this moment of being totally humbled, He is concerned even about me. And then she goes on in verse forty nine, and she says, He, the Lord, is mighty and has done great things. And what Mary is doing right there is she is echoing the Old Testament. She's echoing all of the things that God's word has always been saying, that our Lord does great things, that he is mighty and he is powerful. And even though her future is uncertain, she knows who's in charge. And she doesn't mean that, and I don't mean that, in some sort of hallmarky, um, you know, it's all going to be okay sort of way. Uh, For Mary, what she knows at her core is that the Lord God of Israel, the only true God, he is a God who works miracles, who leads his people through the waters, who leads them to the promised land, who defeats their enemies. And she knows that her Lord promises that one day there will be an ultimate son of David, an ultimate descendant, an ultimate king, whose kingdom will never, ever end. And so she focuses in on God's character, his power, his might. And of course, uh, like every good believer, um, you know, she doesn't just focus on uh, God's power or justice. She reminds herself in verse 49 that the Lord is holy. Holy is his name. Don't you love that? Kind of reminds you of uh, the Lord's prayer that Jesus will go on and teach people to say, But Mother Mary, she knows what? Holy is his name. So when it comes to the Lord, when she is dwelling on God's character, she recognizes that that God is her only savior, uh, that he cares about the poor and the downtrodden. He has an eye even to people that others may overlook and that he's powerful and mighty and amazingly that he's holy. And and what holy means is... um, Sometimes we think it just simply means purity, right? That he's like without sin or that he's some sort, you know, he's kind of uptight, you know, but that's, that's hardly what the word holy means. Um, holy in the Old Testament and the New Testament means set apart. And holy means set apart in the sense that it's above and beyond and way better than anything else you could compare it to. Um, so um, holiness is not just God's moral purity. It's his holy moral purity. It's his holy moral purity that is beyond anything we can fathom. And God's love is holy love, meaning it's in a totally different category than we could ever understand. Uh, You see, so for Mary, 
what she's doing, right, like all believers do, is in the face of fear, instead of focusing in on the fear, what she does is she's, she's widening that aperture, right? She's opening up just a bit more of the lens to take in more and more of who the Lord is. And of course, when you do that, like in verse 50, she can't help but think of what the Old Testament has been teaching her since she was a child, which is the Lord is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You see, the God of Israel, he's not just holy. He's not just high and above everything. and He's not just powerful. He's also merciful and he's compassionate. So I hope you're seeing uh, right here in the Magnificat uh, that what Mary's doing is she's really focusing in on God's character. And friends, I think so much of that uh, for us today is in the face of an uncertain future and how um, potentially we could turn to fear right now. And um, I know if you're not afraid right now or you're not experiencing fear, I'm sure that you have friends or family. Uh, it's almost like you can just see the hands of fear gripping them by their neck. Well, in the face of that fear, what we see Mary doing is instead of focusing in on that fear, what she does is she, focus her, she focuses her attention on God's character, on who God is. And I love that so much. You know, it reminds me of what uh, Pastor Tim Keller uh, you know, once said. He said, you don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. <laughs> You know, for Mary, she's probably at the end of a rope. You know, she's traveled three or four days. Uh, she's left town. She's just found out she's pregnant. And now she's staying with her cousin, Elizabeth. And Luke will go on and tell us she's going to stay there for three months to try to wrap her mind around what's going on and what the trajectory of her life now is. And what she does here, she focuses on God's character. So how would that apply to you and me? Well, there are a couple of things that I want you to notice about this story. Uh, first is she sits down and she writes out this song. Uh, she, rem- she memorizes this song. So if you're in this time and you know, you're um, struggling with fear or you're trying to figure out where your life is headed in the trajectory, uh, well, you could do a lot worse than start a journal right now. Uh, If you don't already journal every night or in the morning, um, I would strongly encourage you to do it. I personally have found it um, useful for years, and uh, I've even found it helpful in my prayer life. Um, I'm sure that if you started uh, journaling your prayers, um, you would find that prayer may actually come a little bit easier if you sat down and wrote out your prayers. I know that I personally have. But the other thing I want you to focus on in this story is that when Mary's writing this, um, she's not alone in this. Um, she's not isolated all by herself. What Mary's doing in this passage is she's actually in dialogue with Elizabeth. When she found all of this, you know, sort of mind-blowing stuff, what she does is she runs uh, to the person who knows her best. And then she stays for three months. And friends, what an incredible reminder. What an incredible reminder of the wisdom Uh, that you and I probably more than ever need to be reaching out to our friends and our family and our mothers if they're with us and reaching out and talking to them about the Lord. I mean, part of the way that you and I are going to learn to dwell more and more on God's character is going to be to rely on your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And I know many of you don't like using apps like Marco Polo, or you don't like, you know, phone calling people anymore. That's probably, if you're under 30, you probably are terrified of a phone call. Or, you know, maybe for you, it's text messaging. 
Uh, but now is the time to reach out. And what a, what, what a better time than now to reach out to friends and talk to them about the Lord. Find somebody that loves the Lord and just agree to read the Bible with them and start talking about it. Um, you know, today was, today was kind of a, a rough day for me. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't know all the details yet, but years ago I pastored in St. Louis, Missouri, and there was a prominent pastor in St. Louis and uh, wrote a book that um, in many ways changed the trajectory of my life. And today I found out he, he died of a self-inflicted gun wound. I don't know as of right now if it was um, suicide or an accident, uh, but I do know that in the last uh, days and weeks, he was lamenting online about the need to connect with other believers. And I can't help but notice in the story of the Magnificat um, that probably in sort of like the most, you know, um, earth-shattering moment of Mary's life up to this point, when she doesn't know what the future holds, um, when she is just trying to wrap her mind around this, the first thing she does is she goes to her friend Elizabeth and they talk about the character of the Lord. Uh, she doesn't focus on her fear. What she does is she leans into the community of God's people and starts talking. So I don't know who's coming to mind for you, but um, friends, reach out even now. And if you are in a dark or depressed or lonely time, uh, email me, email the church, call us. Uh, we want to talk to you and we want to glory with you in the character of a God who sees even those who others would overlook. So um, those are all ways, I think, that we can be, you know, dwelling on God's character. You know, it's not focusing so much on the reasons for fear. I think it's learning to sort of change your mind to where you focus on God's character. And, uh, you know, I mean, think about it this way. You know, all I'm really suggesting that you do is you do what your mom and my mom and every mom in the world knows to do when their kids are stressed out or angry or frustrated, right? If you have an upset, frustrated, or angry kid, what do you do? You give them something to eat, right? You take the kid and you say, I'm going to change what you're thinking about and interacting with, and let's see if that doesn't solve the problem. In the face of fear, what if you're meant to change your attention to the Lord's character? Or maybe think about it this way. Uh, maybe this, you know, pandemic time, maybe this isn't something you're just supposed to go through. Uh, maybe this is something you're supposed to grow through by dwelling on God's character. So that's the first point. Pretty simple, right? Dwell on God's character. The second point, last one, all I, all I want you to grasp um, in this, right? And we could say a bunch about uh, the Magnificat, but this is simply it. Uh, when Mary is um, sort of facing this stressful time, what Mary does is she places herself um, not at the center of the story. Uh, what she does is she sees her life story is actually a part of God's bigger story, right? This is, uh, this is probably where she lost you in the, in the story, right? Uh, I think you and I could probably check with, yeah, let's focus on God and he's powerful and he's mighty and he forgives us and he's merciful. But then she sort of shifts gears, right? And she starts talking about how God is going to, you know, scatter the proud, how he's going to knock down the mighty, how he's going to raise up those of humble estate, and how he's going to raise up and help the nation of Israel. And he's going to fulfill all of his old promises to Abraham and his offspring forever. 
And right when you think she should be like hitting the crescendo, you know, of like, God loves us, we're going to get through this. Instead, what she does is she starts focusing in on the story of God's people and the nation of Israel and how God is actually going to raise up the nation of Israel and how he's going to fulfill all of the promises to Abraham. And, you know, if you were checking at the beginning, you may be thinking, what in the world? Where did he just, where'd she just go right now? Well, to understand how Mary is able to make that swift turn or, you know, that pivot in the song, you've got to understand that Mary sees the story of her life really as just, you know, a page or a chapter in a bigger book of the story that God is telling in our world. You know, and what is that story? Well, it's simply this. God created a perfect, beautiful world. It fell into sin. Demonic forces entered in and have made this all the worse. But God's not going to give up on that broken, hurting world. God made a covenant that he would endure with this world, that he would never, ever let it fail, that he was going to raise up a people group out of a man named Abraham. And one day his lineage would fix everything broken in this world. And then one day, one of those descendants would be a man named David, who would always point to the ultimate king who's going to fix everything. And then one day, the perfect world where God dwelled with humanity, one day we'll go back to that world. Uh, if you think about it this way, um, the heavens and the earth, the hope is not that, uh, you know, they're going to be destroyed. The hope is that one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth and God will dwell with man again. And if you read the Bible, it begins right in Genesis with a garden and God and humanity dwelling in perfect unity as they were always meant to be. And that's exactly where the Bible ends, is in a garden and God dwells with his people. And so for Mary, as she's facing this sort of fearful time um, where her world is, you know, turned upside down, what she's able to see is that actually God is not turning her world upside down. Um, really what the Lord is doing <laughs> through history is he's putting this world to rights. He's not turning it upside down. He's turning it right side up. And we're really just in the midst of that. And in fact, friends, that's exactly what he's doing in your life and in my life. You see, the New Testament is um, all over this. The focus is on Jesus's death on our behalf as our Savior. And when we put our faith in him, we have eternal life. And yeah, when you and I die, we're going to go to heaven. But the New Testament is really focused in on when Jesus comes back and makes all things new, as Revelation promises he will. And so um, I don't know if you've been thinking about the end times lately. I know I certainly have. And I don't know when they're going to be. I don't know if we're in them now. I don't know. No one knows. Um, all I know is that we're one day closer than we were yesterday. But I think part of addressing the fear and the anxiety in this time, I think is learning from Mary, um, not to make our little life story or our life goals or the things you and I want to do or our vacation or our careers. That's not the center of the story. You know, that's, um, that cannot be the center of gravity. It's too weak. It's too small. Uh, you and I, we are meant to be circling around the center of gravity of God's story. Uh, we're meant to see how we uh, fold into the bigger, beautiful tapestry that God is weaving in front of us. You see, I think that's what Mary was able to do. She doesn't say, well, you know, why did you change my life's plans? 
You know what Mary tells the angels, I am the Lord's servant. And I know that God is merciful and compassionate and that he is our savior. And if my life is a part of that, praise the Lord. And I know that he will accomplish his purposes as his word said. And friends, that's exactly how you and I are going to get through this. We dwell on God's character together. We reach out to each other. We encourage one another. And then we see that our lives are really all wrapped up in the great story that the Lord is telling. Uh, Friends, uh, that's an invitation to learn wisdom in the face of fear. Uh, Not from me, but from Mary and ultimately from her Savior, Jesus. Uh, So friends, we love you, and we can't wait to see you soon. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Mary and everything we have to learn from her. I thank you that she saw her life as part of your plan, just the way that Jesus did, who continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And Lord, we thank you that he died so that we could have faith in him and be reconciled to you. Uh, Father, for those of us who are struggling with fear, would the aperture of our minds, would the vision that you give us grow more and more wide so that we can see you for more and more of who you are. And Lord, would that melt away all of our fears. In Jesus' name, amen.